Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode covers Season 3, Part 16, Back in Town. What's going on in Twin Peaks and the various storylines in this episode? We see conclusions or climaxes, or often sometimes anti-climaxes, taking place outside of the town of Twin Peaks. So for example, Ben and Beverly, that's an example of another story that is basically concluded, but we get an allusion to it outside of Twin Peaks. In this case, in Las Vegas, when Bushnell hears the Great Northern Hum, the tone that they heard in the Great Northern, and he wanders out of Dougie's, Dougie Cooper's hospital room to follow it. And, you know, we don't really get any more clarification on what that is yet, but obviously it has some kind of relation to Cooper, or it seems to have some kind of relation to Cooper awakening uh, from his coma. It's it's like a narrative device that, you know, the manifestation of, of Lynch and Frost doing what they need to do for the plot through this magical tone that, that people hear at the right time. Richard's parents storyline. That's an example of another story that is basically concluded, but we get an allusion to it outside of Twin Peaks. We get final confirmation that he's Mr. C's son. And the way that happens is Mr. C and Richard are out in the country somewhere. We don't know, you know, somewhere in the Great Plains, I guess, or maybe approaching the Pacific Northwest. Richard dies, and Mr. C is responsible for his death. And he stares at him, watches him burn, disappear, and goes, kind of sighs, like, oh, well, well. And says, goodbye, my son. And that's it. That's the end of the Richard Parent storyline, at least in any concrete way. It's a kind of a startling anticlimax for the character and for that question, and still leaves me wondering to this day, what was the point? We've talked about that elsewhere, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Of course, it's also interesting to think of the fact that Richard, uh, Richard's mother is Audrey. What does that entail? I think people talked about how his arrogance is a different manifestation of Audrey's pride in the original series. I'm Audrey Horn, I get what I want. She's sort of bratty and entitled when you when you look at him from a certain direction, but because she's so charming and because her intentions seem good, she we don't think of her that way. But some of her qualities kind of carry into to Richard in that sense. And I'm not sure, like the evil side of Mr. C carries into Richard. I'm not sure what Cooper qualities, because if Mr. C is still a manifestation of Cooper in some way, what, if any, Cooper qualities... Uh, manifest themselves in Richard. So that's something to think about. This is also a kind of a conclusion to the hit and run story because now the culprit in that crime is dead. He's gone. And uh, that's that. I mean, the parents have to suffer without their child. Miriam is has serious problems in the hospital that Ben is paying for and all of this fallout that has hit the town, but we don't get any sense that it's going to be, there's going to be some big grand resolution. We just know now that whatever outcome there is, is not going to involve Richard because he's dead. For Jerry's storyline, we see Jerry run up over a hill in the darkness nearby where Mr. C and Richard are. Far enough away they can't see him, but he looks through some binoculars to see them. And of course, he looks through the binoculars the wrong way, so they look even further in the distance. He's either extremely high or extremely confused and disoriented and dehydrated from his strange jaunt in the woods. And he's just content to watch through this these binoculars to the wrong end. And when Richard goes up in flames, he freaks out and screams bad binoculars and starts hitting his binoculars on a rock. Ironically, in Twin Peaks, we don't see anything of the Cooper investigation. For Cooper taking over the episode, that storyline, which is you know, outside of Dougie and Mr. C's appearance has been the main conduit for Cooper in this season, isn't really dealt with, at least in the town of Twin Peaks. Now, what we actually see in Twin Peaks, because all of these storylines that are Twin Peaks related have taken place outside of Twin Peaks this week, what we actually see is the Roadhouse. We see Edward Lewis Severson III, a.k.a. Eddie Vedder. That's his real birth name, I guess. And 
he sings Out of Sand. Also, the MC introduces Audrey. This is his farewell as a Roadhouse character. And as I said last week, it's been interesting to watch his development where he started off. We never saw him when the bands played. And then finally he introduced Nine Inch Nails, which made them seem really important. But then he just started introducing everyone. Now he's introducing this character in a very metafictional way. He says, and now Audrey's dance. Points to Audrey saying the name of the soundtrack listing, basically. Like nobody would call that song Audrey's Dance. It's what she was dancing to in you know the early episodes of Twin Peaks so that's very surreal and telling us already something's going on in this world this is like a dream or a hallucination or an alternate world or something but it's just not on the level of reality we've been given to think we've been watching and at the very end of the episode we end on the roadhouse during the credits as the band plays Audrey's dance backwards which, you know, is another little hint that we're inside of some kind of lodge land, if you want to call it that. Finally, Audrey's world. This is the conclusion of the Audrey storyline. Her and Charlie walk into the roadhouse after three episodes of just delaying and trying to leave and not being able to go there, and now they're here. So this is another indication that, hey, this episode is moving things forward, right? They walk in, they're listening to Eddie Vedder's song, they're still talking about Billy and bitching to each other a little bit, uh, mocking each other, especially her to Charlie, and he just eggs her on a little more passive-aggressively. And then the MC introduces her dance, everyone turns towards her, Charlie looks at her, she looks confused, and then the music starts playing, she starts swaying, she walks out on the dance floor. So as she's dancing, dancing a couple of men race in one of them's yelling at the other that's my wife throws a bottle fight breaks out and just this whole moment is disturbed she runs to charlie and she's she demands that he get her out of here and then suddenly whoosh, electricity crackling in white in a white room staring at a mirror it's a close-up we can't see anything else we don't know what's going on she says what what and that's how it ends but i think a lot of people didn't necessarily like this a lot of people were fascinated by it, and it's useful to take a step back, and as we've talked about, look at this in light of how the story came out. I know people like to deal with the work sort of enclosed into itself, but I think it's more interesting to see the ways it kind of reaches out to the world and the way the world reaches out to it. And in this case, Charlene Fenn did not want to do what Lynch and Frost had scripted for, which seems to have been the Sylvia character and maybe a few other scenes here or there. Uh, somebody had commented recently, and they wrote this in on listener feedback, that Audrey was probably going to have about the same amount of scenes as uh, James and Shelley. Uh, there was a sort of a parody between, and Bobby, you know, there's a parody between these old-time characters who were once the young ones of Twin Peaks, and now we get to sort of respectfully check back in with them. But she was not thrilled with her respectfully, which was her son running in and assaulting her. We're almost certain. I don't think that's ever been confirmed in precise terms, but the way Frost and Fenn both talk about it, that seems to be what was going on. So, instead, Lynch had to write something new for her. There was a back and forth over several months. Charlotte Fenn was saying some things on Twitter. There was a discomfort there. It's hard not to see the Charlie Audrey scenes as kind of a reinterpretation, an absurdist manifestation of the tension between Lynch and Audrey. A sort of a humorous take on that. And it's also very much a meta-commentary on Audrey and this beloved character who nonetheless people have... I don't want to say they've built her up in their minds since the show because she is very important on the show and every all the attraction and love people have for her is from what she does on the show. But I think people forget the extent to which she wasn't like at the core of that show in a way that Cooper or Laura or... 
eventually like the lodge lore stuff was and she could have been she almost was there but then kyle mclaughlin didn't want to do the the romance for whatever reason whether that was lara flynn boyle or the age difference or what and it's like at that moment she just kind of lost an opportunity she slipped a little into the background the show was canceled she didn't want to be in the film the years went by Sherilyn finn never really probably had the career that you would think she would have from twin peaks certainly when you look at lara flynn boyle as a comparison point they obviously had this kind of rivalry between them and uh, not much love lost there. Lara Flynn Boyle did go on, you know, she's not doing so great now, but she had many years, at least a decade, of being a pretty prominent Hollywood actor dating Jack Nicholson and, uh, you know, having that kind of A-list profile. She was a regular on the show. Well, she was a star of the show. I think the was it The Practice? I think one of those david kelly shows and you know she just had a very high profile in the 90s she was a legit celebrity beyond just having been on twin peaks whereas i think Sherilyn finn would always be the one who was on twin peaks so there's a poignancy there there's always a poignancy with actresses in hollywood because the town treats them so absolutely shittily like that's no surprise i mean me too showed the one of the most particular virulent strains of that but it's really true on many levels and lynch has made films about this. This is kind of a beautiful tribute to both Sherilyn Finn and Audrey Horn. I also was wondering, watching it this time, well, okay, let's rewind a second. She, they keep talking about Billy. We never see Billy. She seems obsessed with Billy and almost kind of get the impression Billy's not that into her just because he's off somewhere. Nobody knows where he is. She's so insistent upon the fact that she loves Billy. She's fucking Billy. She likes Billy better than Charlie. It just seems kind of needy, kind of desperate, and we get the sense maybe there's not as much there. This is making me wonder, like, is Billy Cooper, her rationalization of Cooper somehow, and, you know, what he's become, and maybe what she knows subconsciously. I don't know if she ever woke up. People were on podcasts at the time trying to figure out, can you actually give birth if you're in a coma like could she still be in that coma it was determined that yes that had happened it's possible so the question is what is she dealing with here you know is this about her relationship to cooper or something that's it for this episode please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts you can support this work on patreon.com slash lost in the movies and tune in tomorrow for part 16 mythology uh, what's going on with the spirit world tangents in this episode both the scenes that take place in those locations to that whatever limited extent we have that and also what's going on in all of the scenes with the lodge lore <laughs>